from the Pictures Out There studios. Welcome to the Pictures Out There podcast series with Dave Fogelman and Lee Stewart. Pictures Out There ties the future to the present and is a new approach for vision and action toward a better future. And now, here's Dave and Lee. Hi, this is Dave. And this is Lee. And welcome to the Pictures Out There podcast series. This is our last podcast for season one. Please try to minimize the shouting and applause. <laughs> yeah, so we're celebrating here a little bit as we're doing this podcast and having some fun. We have just had a great time, a very rewarding time doing these, and, and we certainly hope it's been the same for you. But uh, this is number 32, and then we're going to be back for season two uh, later on in a few months. So uh, here we go. Last podcast of the season. So... While our life is going along and we hopefully are initiating pictures and doing all the things that we've been talking about during this season, we receive input, okay? And we then give output. output. Kind of sounds like uh, we're computer... Mechanistic. Yeah, programming. But we kind of sort of are. You mm-hmm. know, that's kind of the way that our minds work and the way our filters work. So our picture for today is about each of us ensuring that the input into our lives that we're getting all along the way is filtered through our best ideals. This this is Lee's in my picture. And then the output from us to other people and to the world is likewise filtered through our best ideals. So what do we mean when we say input or output, Lee? Yeah, as technical as those terms may seem, let's put it maybe into this context. What are what we're going to call our input funnels, Mm -hmm. or how and where do we receive input? Well, simplistically, let's just think about the information that we all receive and consume. Mm -hmm. Uh, Some of it's factual, some of it is supposedly factual, may not be. Other input is knowledge, experiences, perspectives, opinions. All of those things that we receive from other people and then from the myriad of sources that are available to us. And we're kind of getting that constantly in the course of our days, weeks, and months. We also then have our output funnels. You know, stuff comes in, then stuff comes out. Mm-hmm. We give out information to other people or to other sources. We give out what we believe are facts. We give out what we think is knowledge Knowledge. that's helpful for us to pass along. And we certainly give out our opinions. Yep. Okay. We give those out to other people. We give those out uh, to other sources, other places. It may be things we write. It may be things we share in some kind of social context. Yeah. So some of you may be going, well, I don't really participate in social media, for example. So therefore, this input-output dynamic is not appropriate or relevant to me. Oh, yes, it is. If you engage in conversations with other people, that's happening there as well. Yeah, happening in literally every exchange like that that we have. Exchange of something you're reading, exchange of something you're listening to, etc. So we receive really endless information. There are some research studies out there, Dave, that say we are exposed to as many as 10,000 inputs in a day. Wow. Yeah, think about that. So it's coming at us so rapidly that we can no longer determine you know, it singly. Mm-hmm. We receive knowledge. We receive opinions and perspectives, supposed facts, every hour, every day, every week. And the input we receive is accelerating 
and getting more extreme mm. every year, I think we would argue. And we give out our information to other people and to the world, as we've stated, our knowledge, our opinions, what we call our facts. We give those out every hour, every day, every week. And the output expectations of each of us also are accelerating and they're probably becoming more extreme every year. I think that last part is is important. I, I will tell you future audiences, that part of our audience, that you know, there's a lot said today about information overload. The notion about the input side of things gets a lot of play. And it's important. And that's critical to talk about. And we're going to talk a bunch about it. The notion that we are expected, though, to respond in a much more accelerated, lightning-quick pace is something that I don't think gets talked about quite as much, but that's absolutely the source of all sorts of stress and, ah, what am I going to go do, and, and that kind of thing. Yeah, we're reactionary rather than thoughtful and, and purposeful in our responses a lot of times. Mm -hmm. So how are we going to manage all of this? Uh, what are our input filters? What are our output filters. One of the things we're going to suggest and one of the reasons ideals is going to be very important in the picture that we're painting here is the, the need to simplify somehow all of this, to make all of this easier to deal with. And so if you can find technique or a tactic that allows you to simplify this whole input and output process, but the product that you're having coming in and the product going out is good is true, boy, that would be the best of both worlds, right? Where it's both easier and simpler to deal with, but you also are getting the input that you really want and need, and you are then turning that around in a way that you're proud of. Great. So let's give some thought to when do we expand our funnels, and then when do you suppose we might consider narrowing them? We lots of times along the way, we'll start having this sense the hair on the back of our neck goes up or something and we go, we, we've got gaps here. Mm -hmm. We need to fill in. It may be a gap of knowledge. It may be something that we're curious about. And we sit there and we go, yeah, I really don't know that much about that. Mm -hmm. You know, so hopefully, you know, we're expanding our funnels fairly frequently when we have those gaps, when we are curious. And Lee and I would suggest that that should never stop. Curiosity, as we've talked about in other podcasts, is something that we ought to always have. We're always learning, always growing, and so that expansion should be happening all the time. At the same time that we're certainly raising up the need to go ahead and expand our funnels, we're needing also to narrow them sometimes, and so we need to do that to be efficient. And so having what we're calling an ideal-based filtering system, both for input and then for our output, allows us to narrow the input we're getting, but in a way that's not cutting off real knowledge, mm -hmm. real learning and real growth, mm -hmm. but is making us a lot more efficient. Okay. We always want our machines to be efficient and what they take in and what they spit out. And that's all we're saying here too. We need to be efficient machines, I guess you would say, in terms of how we're dealing with input and output. So let's talk about the past and the present and the future. And let's think briefly about input and output as it deals with past, present, and future. How do we manage our input and output as we deal with the past? Does it have to be accurate? How much does that matter mm -hmm. that it's accurate? How much and how do we filter for accuracy? Lee, there's a, a wonderful quote that I think a lot of people are very familiar with from George Orwell. The first part of that quote is, who controls the past 
controls the future. And so certainly there, I think we see in society, there is always this battle, really, this this conflict to say, okay, in terms of the past, here's the way that was. Mm-hmm. The version that we believe in is accurate. Or, well, these other things really aren't important. This is the important thing about the past. Right. This is what you ought to do. Right. We have that in family history mm-hmm. and, and family dynamics. We have it in friendship dynamics. Mm-hmm. We certainly have it in organizations, in national types of considerations. And so in terms of, of trying to deal with input and output from the past, you know, that's, it's a, a very big deal. How do we filter for accuracy? We all have our memories, right? And what we consider to be our version of past events. And if that's our reality and our truth, I think that's fine. But when it really does not align or it's in material disagreement with someone who's close to you who experienced the same events in the past, I think then it's when you have to widen and open up your input channels and say, okay, let's have some discussion here. I may be missing some gaps, having some gaps, missing some knowledge in that memory. And Lee, isn't there lots of times a fairly natural human tendency. I think it's one we need to fight, but it's a fairly natural human tendency to go, you know, we're kind of removed from those incidents or from what's happened. Maybe we were doing a little bit better than we oh, yeah. think we were. Maybe right. maybe there was reasons why we did that mm-hmm. thing that wasn't so great. Yeah. It's using current knowledge to justify past actions. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there can be a very natural human tendency to do that in families, in friendships, in in those relationships, in groups, in everything. Absolutely. And we certainly, I think, from a national context, are very, very good at reimagining what the past was Mm -hmm. to put ourselves in the best possible light instead of having the cold, hard truth about what actually happened Mm -hmm. at that time and what people actually did. Mm -hmm. Okay. So how do we manage our input and output as we consider the present and the now? Does that have to be accurate? Does it matter? How much and how do we filter for accuracy? Well, the second part of Orwell's quote was, the first part being who controls the past controls the future. The second part was who controls the present controls the past. Past. We see the same dynamic. Uh, It it plays out a little bit differently, but we see the same dynamic going on in the present. Mm -hmm. And we always have in terms of, well, this is the reality of of what things are today. Mm -hmm. And it's where certainly future audiences in our present day, we have all sorts of debates going on about fake news. What is fake news? What is not fake news? What's real? What's not? And you have this battle over, over whose perspective is correct. Yeah. And some of us do what? We only get our input funnel is tied to one or a single source. Right. Uh, and we don't want to hear anything else because it may not conform to what that single source of information is telling us. Don't give me a different perspective, okay? We think that's very, very dangerous thinking, and that's when you need to tell yourself it's time to widen and open up my channel. If somebody says, well, what, what's the answer to all of this? One big thing is the fact that there are just truths to what happens. There are truths to events, Okay, so things that have happened have one true version. Mm-hmm. That, that that's just the mm-hmm. way it is. There's not there's not two things that are happening at the same time to different people. Right now, the second part of that though is: are there multiple perspectives 
Yes. Yes. And so we've talked about perspectives before and how important that is. The storytelling. Lee and I can go out and experience the same event together, and there is one truth outside of us with what's happening in that event. And we always have to try to understand what that is, that one truth. The perspective that Lee has on that event, the perspective that I have, can be different and probably will be different. Yes. We have to talk to each other. We yes. have to share our perspectives. We have to storytell to kind of go, that happened. This one thing happened. What's your perspective about it and what's mine? Mm-hmm. And I think that's maybe a way to reconcile this debate about what's true or not and where people go, well, your truth isn't my truth. It's like, well, the event's just one thing, but we do have different, different perspectives about it and we have to talk about it. Yeah, it's right that we should. Yeah. How do we handle our input and output funnels as we consider our own future, moving on to the future here, and the future of the world? We're suggesting they should be true to our ideals. Uh, We should be filtering to that end. So both as input is coming in, we should be asking, is the input we're receiving, again, as Lee went through, knowledge, sources, opinions, are those true to the ideals that we're upholding? If they're not, then maybe we ought to set those aside. And that's, that's a simplification piece, but again, it's staying true. Mm-hmm. We need to take in input that initially we're not sure maybe if it matches our ideals. There's a lot of that where we would suggest err on the side of hearing things. Exactly. Giving people a chance, widening the input. But then once you've really given somebody or, or some source an erring, and you can tell that it's just going a different direction than the ideals you believe in, then you're cool to go ahead and let it go. Right. You know, but, but don't be too quick. Yeah. Hear it first. Yes. Right. Don't be too quick to cut off sources and, and to filter out things before you've given them a chance. So as it relates to input, we take in images directly. We also take in information in the form of words that we then typically in our brains turn into images, Right. These are visual images, but they also can include images that we hear or that we smell or that we experience through our sense of touch. Most of us tend to be strongly visual and sensory in how we process input and then, in turn, how we provide output. And we've talked before as we've talked about AI, which we're now calling advanced intelligence, you know, what almost seems like a limitless ability to capture input mm-hmm. and information, mm-hmm. you know, that, that certainly AI could turn into images. Human mind doesn't work that way. We're way more finite. Okay. We have a much more limited intelligence, if you want to say that. And we can only store a certain amount of images. Right. So it's kind of like this, this library that has a limit of the number of books in it. If you want to think of it that way, that's an image we'll create. And it's kind of like, you know, if if there's new books that are going to be coming into that library, some old books got to go. Right. So files in, files out. out, images in, images out. So we have a very finite capacity to store images in our minds. So the method for how we make those storage selections, what we add, what we change, what we delete, you like that add, change, delete thing. I do. I mean, that's, I do. That's, yeah. that's the way it is. Yep. You know, it becomes incredibly important how we do that. We don't want to permanently store images that turn us away from our ideals, that bring out the best in us and that help our world and our society. So you can start thinking of these funnels coming in. We're saying keep the funnel broad, 
use a lot of sources, talk to a lot of people, get a lot of different perspectives, but then you have to make some choices about what you're keeping and what you're discarding, both in terms of the input and then maybe images you've already got in your mind. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we should always stay open to new thoughts and new knowledge and then understand if and how they can be filled or disseminated in harmony with our pictures and our ideals. So the pace with which we are deluged with new information, as we mentioned previously, as many as 10,000 inputs we each experience in a day. And again, this is knowledge, it's opinions, it's perspectives, it's supposed facts. Well, that deluge of information frequently overwhelms us. And as we stated, it is accelerating, not decelerating. So today, do we resist new sources of input or intelligence because we don't want to do the work of dealing with the new input? Mm, mm. Do we just simply resist new sources of input because we're lazy or because we just want to keep our world narrow and just have it so we can adhere to our existing beliefs and knowledge? We may have different perspectives. We may be using different sources, talking to different people, getting different knowledge. And we don't exactly align. What can happen lots of times after, after that point in time is then we're each making choices, right, about the input mm -hmm. that we're going to continue to get on an ongoing basis. And then we're making different choices about, as we described, what we keep, what we add, change, delete. We may have an initial point of discussion around something. We're 100 yards apart. And uh, then over time, what happens is we're using different sources, we're keeping different information, and that 100 yards right. becomes a mile, becomes five miles, and we become farther removed from each other. And I think one of the things we would certainly lift up is we really have to resist that as best we can, that we just allow distance to keep happening. We have to keep talking to each other. We really can't lose awareness of each other. And I think one of the things we talked about earlier was the need for diversity to be maintained in all sorts of ways. But think of our, our government podcast that we talked about, and we talked about the need for a certain layer of global government for pro what is probably a handful of big issues or considerations. And then beyond that, the importance of having local government, much smaller government that allows for cultural differences, true cultural differences. And so I think one of the things, too, with all of this is, you know, making sure that uh, diversity continues to expand and we have the opportunity to move to more localized cultures. And so keeping touch with each other, the notion of that isn't that uh, we each get to go to our own culture and we go into a little hole. We would say that's we're losing the beauty of diversification right. if we do that. If we we do have that. to keep talking and staying connected and learn from each other. Yep. And so the, the notion about trying to find mechanisms, we're suggesting have an ideal-based set of filters for input and output, having something that allows you to not fend off change, to not fend off reality, to continue to embrace change, to embrace reality. If we don't do that... If we fend off change, if we fend off reality, ultimately, we believe there is a reckoning. Believing, uh, as an example, believing we can go back to an imagined past that, we, again, we've created in our mind, mm -hmm. that has a reckoning up ahead. And it's a train wreck. Mm -hmm. okay? It's not, it's not going to be a pretty picture if we don't embrace the future, embrace change. But we have to have some approach to that where we can function. And so we're suggesting ideals. So sending all of our new images through the filter of our good and ambitious ideals allows us to keep the best new images 
In other words, those that will support our dreams and our pictures and make our world a better place. That allows us to do calm and clear critical thinking about the input we receive and our options for our own output. Ideals make the processing of the accelerated pace of new images doable. It keeps us calm, but it also keeps us still curious for more. And Lee, as we look to the future, input and output sources are going to keep changing and they're going to keep accelerating. Right. We. Here we sit today, who envisioned social media 20 years right. ago, right? Yeah. You and I will look back, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully, 20 or 30 years from now and go, oh my gosh, we we never imagined, gosh, that that whole system of input and output that we had in 2022, that was child's play. Right. You know, it's much more complicated now. For example, you know, there's all sorts of uh, conversation happening now in 2022 in our present about metaverses and about holographs and the opportunities for visual experiences and just for new ways of doing things and seeing things and for even stronger and more accurate visual images of what's really happening or has happened. Mm -hmm. You know, what are the implications of that? Certainly seem to be opportunities for clarity and more clarity through experience, really creating something where you're experiencing something. Somebody can tell me about going to Niagara Falls and what that's like. If I have some kind of holograph or metaverse kind of experience that allows me to feel like I am there, there. that's a wonderful thing for clarity and for truly getting uh, an accurate image. Theoretically, if there was some way to get that kind of clarity for the past and the present and the future, that's a wonderful thing. How do we take advantage of that? Those images and those experiences, they have to be truthful. Right. They have to be real. They can't be manipulated. We're separating the event, the experience, the thing. From the perspectives from the about perspectives. it. So we have to start out with images and, and not have people go, ooh, I don't like that. That's not going to make people feel the way they should and have that kind of thing manipulated. That right. would be a negative thing. Yeah. Well, metaverses and holographs also, sadly, perhaps, offer new opportunities for abuse and for even more inaccurate visual images of what's really happening or what has happened. So we believe that these new technologies and methodologies have great promise, but with that comes the potential for great abuse. Yeah, and as, and as people no doubt start creating these experiences for us, people that are very innovative, start creating holographs, start creating metaverse type of experiences, it's incumbent upon us to continue to use multiple sources, okay, to continue to have our input funnel expand and not get overly reliant on just one version of experiences. It's, it's important for us to use critical thinking and to go, hmm, somebody's presenting this experience to me. Uh, do I believe it? Do I think it's accurate? Keep asking questions and keep searching for what is the truth in that event and then, as we've talked about, keep sharing perspectives about that one truth. Yes. Okay? So, to our present-day audience, to our audience at any time in the future, to our human audience, to our, hopefully, AI audience, mm -hmm. to our alien audience, we want to thank all of you for a wonderful first season of our Pictures Out There podcast series. We're going to be returning in early September with a full second season, and we can't wait. So present day audience, have a great summer. Future audience, may all of your ideal-based pictures be coming true. Thank you so much for joining us. We hope to connect with you again in a few months. 
Thank you for joining our podcast today. For more information about Pictures Out There products, services, and communities, or to contact us, please visit us at picturesoutthere.com or reach out to us on Twitter at the handle at PicsOutThere. You can also find us on Facebook. Please join us for our next podcast. We hope you have the day of your dreams.